You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome back to Snippets of Genius. We're here, we're back, and we're talking about how to build better. And there is nobody I could think of that could help me inspire the people within your business to achieve the big dreams that you have. And that, my friends, is Sally Page. She is the co-founder of WorkTrip. So the nature of offsites is definitely changing. And this is not a, a change that we are driving. It's a change that we support, but it's it's already been happening. I think gone are the days when off-sites used to be these big, um, they're basically like willy-waving competitions, right? <laughs> About, sorry, not to put too fine a point on it, but it's like, let's get the whole company together. We'll all sit there and listen to the CEO whittering on about something that we quite frankly don't, we could have done asynchronously. And then we'll all get drunk together and call that bonding. Like, we've all experienced those. It's not that they weren't fun. I mean, I've had loads of fun at those things, but do they actually deliver back in terms of impact and a momentum for your business? Arguably not, right? She has got a wealth of experience pulling together not only high-performing teams, but wonderful partnerships, doing everything from building up businesses all the way up to Series C and going further. She's been up in Blinkist. She's done Audible. She's done so much stuff. I'm just going to let her talk because otherwise I'll be here all day. So without further ado, Sally, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What an intro. I should feel like I should get you to introduce me every single day and I'd do the best work of my life. It'd be great. <laughs> I love it. Anytime. Yeah, set me up. <laughs> no, Sally, it's brilliant for you to be here. We're going to jump into some quick fire round questions now. Oh gosh. Okay. I'd love to know something people often get wrong about you. They mistake my passion for aggression. And what's one thing you wish you'd done sooner? I wish I'd got a standing desk sooner. It's on, it's on, my, it's on my wish list. I'm just going to put that out there. People yeah. still wondering what to buy me for my last yeah. big birthday. <laughs> Good stuff. And then tell me about the biggest lesson in running your own business. There is a amazing skill, which I do not yet possess, <laughs> of switching between the sort of 30,000 feet view and the being on the ground. And that is, that moving up and down is constant over the course of the day and really tiring, but it's necessary. So I would love to hear if anyone's got tips about how to, if you can do that in a structured way, I would love to hear them. Well, it sounds like it'll have to be one of my next workshops. We'll come back to that. So (laughs) let's continue. What's the best part about your work? Working with Sophie, she's amazing. And when she asked me to sort of think about going on a sort of co-founder journey with her, I immediately dismissed it because I thought, well, I've probably not got the skills that she needs, but also we're we're quite similar. 
So I was like, oh, no, you want someone who's a co-founder who's different from you, you know, thinking about the, you know, the sort of Matthew Syed cognitive diversity. And then the more that we've started working together, we've realized actually we think very differently and we have very different approaches to things. And we've uncovered that by working closer together and for a longer period of time. And it's just a delight. And I, I don't think I could do this on my own. Nice. Always good to have your girl there with you, 100%. Yeah. And so tell me, is there a piece of leadership advice that you wish you'd known earlier or is so awful you need to warn us? Don't show weakness. It's a terrible one. I mean, it depends what company you're in and what culture you're in. But in the kind of businesses that I want to work in, where there's a culture of actually caring about people and and wanting to use their strengths for the collective benefit of the business and the customers, like not showing any weakness is is a terrible, terrible idea because you need to role model the fact that failure happens. It happens all the time. Otherwise, we would never learn anything. We'd never do anything new because you'd be terrified to try it. So I think role modeling that is super important. Love that. And what is the hard lesson you've learned in business? Gender bias exists. (laughs) And uh, I think it's very hard when it hits you in the face and you thought that maybe it didn't apply to you. And that's that's always a bit of a challenge, I think. Can you tell us what happened? (laughs) No. (laughs) Gosh, still raw, still a big smack in the face. They say, well, they say talk about scars, not wounds, don't they? So I think... And I think, uh, and and it's not, I think it's, uh, no, I mean, I had, I mean, in terms of rough outline, I think I've had a really privileged upbringing and career. And I think I've been given so many opportunities and and handed them on a plate. So as far as I was concerned, being a female and being promoted all the time, you just like, yes, I can totally see how it happens. And I think that I'm very lucky that I have other privileges, which mean that I haven't experienced it. And then suddenly you come up against something or the the curtain is revealed, right? It's taken away. And you just think, wow, that was naive. And that's really hard to take, I think. Makes you feel stupid. Wow. So I suppose there's a bit of a watch out in that, that just don't feel you're immune it's not just because it hasn't happened yet it could still happen so is there any advice in terms of and I also think there's some stuff that happens in the background and look you know we as a society can work to change it fine we can do that it'll be slow progress we all know it I think any advice that I would give is to not take it when when you are faced with that really try not to take it personally because it it isn't about you Mm mm-hmm And the instinct, well, my instinct was to think, was not to think this is because I'm female, obviously, because I had all these other privileges. So I was just like, it was, this is because I'm not good enough. And then it's only when you start sort of digging around and you see some patterns and you're like, oh no, this is not actually me. This is not a me thing. This is a, you know, this this is a structural thing. And that is very helpful because then you can just acknowledge it it exists. Are there steps that we can take to make it better? But you don't make it, you know, something that you carry around with you as a, as a, you know, something to beat yourself with. 
Good, good, solid advice there. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. <laughs> we met just earlier this year and we sat down and we we're all kind of talking about our businesses. And, you know, I've, I've heard enough pitches in my time, but when Sally pitched, I was like, do you know what? This is, this is good. And this is so needed. And I do think you said you had some war stories there. So I'm going to pick up on that. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me so where it all goes wrong with, with some of these work trips? Not work trip yours, but, you know, off-sites, should I yeah, say? Yeah, no, no, no. I love that you're already using the lingo. That's great. Please do. Carry, <laughs> carry on with that. That's the whole point. No, so... I have worked for amazing organizations and in really great teams. So I'm already talking about probably being in the top five, 10% of any companies that, that really care about that. And even with this, you know, I came to work trip as a customer from a customer point of view, really, of someone who's really experiencing these challenges. So we had, first of all, in the leadership team that I was in at Blinkist, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, we were a bit haphazard in the way that we decided to meet. So the company had already been based in Berlin and we suddenly had people in the leadership team, me based in the UK, someone else based in Portugal, someone else based in Spain. And so we had to be a lot more intentional about when we actually got together in person. And we started, you know, oh, we'll do this here and we'll do this there. But then some people couldn't come because of this. And so then it would always end up being some sort of hybrid or we wouldn't have the whole team together. And it was really frustrating because then for the people who had traveled, they didn't really, they didn't have the full experience. And so it felt like a little bit of a waste of time and a lot of cost, you know, and and logistics had gone into that. And for the people who weren't there, they couldn't really get into the room in the same sort of way as they can when we're all remote, which was our sort of usual mode. So then we said, okay, well, let's schedule these much further in advance. So we'll have them, you know, in the calendar, we can all plan our holidays around them. And we know when they're happening, we can plan our travel. So we did that. Then we went away to an, a, a wonderful offsite that was just so packed with content that even me as an extrovert, I mean, I was on the floor being like, this is too much. I <laughs> I've got no time to reflect on what we've learned together, right? Or to reflect on different perspectives and points of view and then to take the conversation on a little bit a little bit further and so by the time we got into the second day I mean I was a mess I was crying all over the place at everything that would happen don't don't look shocked I cry at everything I'm just like it's one of my one of my things I'm I will happily just sort of burst into tears at the drop of a hat but (laughs) it was you know the level of just sort of brain fog that you get from too much input and not enough time to actually digest it and do something with it which is kind of what we were there to do and then I've experienced other off-sites where they've been really great except for the fact that the venue that we were in had shared bathrooms with open showers so that was a little bit more bonding than we were intending to have getting a bit fruity to be honest it it really is that was interesting (laughs) and then we had another one where you know we ended up having you know really crucial trying to have these big crucial conversations you know in the corner of a coffee shop because we didn't have the space right? right and 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 so you make do and it's all fine it's not like you don't get the outputs of it but when you see it done really well and thoughtfully you can see the difference you get in the actual output yeah yeah absolutely and I think there's probably in terms of seeing the difference it's also feeling the difference isn't it just the whole experience from the beginning to the end and and what kind of 
if you like, what differences do you personally see, feel, and, and what sort of ignited your passion to make this happen? So there are a few things and they're little things that you learn as you make mistakes. And that's, I think, one of the things that I was really passionate about coming into work trip was to stop other people making some of those mistakes, right? Have some of those shortcuts or not everyone else was sort of learning because we are in a different mode of working now. Things have changed dramatically over the last few years. And so just being able to pull through some of those things and say, oh, okay, no, that's what great looks like. That's what great feels like is is really sort of what we want to democratize almost a little bit, right? And, and make that a little bit easier for people. So what's really good? Number one is having a very clear goal for the offsite. You know, what does success look like? You'd be surprised how few people can answer that question. Okay. They'll say, well, we want to get together and have fun. It's like, that's great. You will get, you will have fun. You're a great team. You're nice people. What else do you want to do? Because this is really high value time. You know, even taking apart the cost side of things, which doesn't have to be massive. You can do things on, on a budget. But the time investment is definitely there. And people feel it, especially if you have people who are working remotely or working hybrid and have other commitments that they have to navigate around going on something like an offsite, which is very intensive, right? So really knowing why you're there and for the whole team to know is really helpful because there's focus and there's alignment on it. Being in an environment that is not your normal environment. We spend all day very task focused and we just run through our to-do list, right? And we feel all the endorphins of having ticked things off. That's fantastic. And there's an environment where we can do that super well. The kind of things that you want to do on an offsite together as a team is a very different environment. That's not in there based for hyper-efficiency. That's not the point of it at all. It's got to maximize connection. And so at Worktrip, we really specialize in memorable out-of-town locations and venues. That's what we really care about. There is so much science now on the benefits to your physical and mental and emotional well-being of being outside, even for 20 minutes, that you just can't ignore it. So for us, that's that's really important, and that's what we champion. So there's that space to actually think deeply and creatively and, you know, quite often, you know, this is a coach actually questions some of the things we've been doing and you do need physical and mental space to actually do that. It's quite a hard thing to do. It requires quite a lot of courage. Third thing is that don't pack the schedule. <laughs> please, please give people breaks. The human brain cannot concentrate for more than 90 minutes at a time. We, we, we can't. There's scientific research to back it up. So if you think about things like that in terms of chunks and movement between places and high intensity learning time versus, you know, half an hour of decompression or just a walk outside in nature, you're going to get much more out of that time together than you would if you'd actually really packed the schedule in where you think you're you know, really maximizing the time because you're putting so much in, but people don't remember it and it doesn't have the impact. Yeah. Yeah. And so the way that we structure things, both in the work trip marketplace, where, where you can sort of select from your venues and, and your workshops and your connect, connection experiences. And when we're actually programming on behalf of our clients, we think about it in terms of where you stay. So that environment, what you're going to learn together, 
because there is nothing that bonds a team better than a bit of social learning if it's done well. And we only work with people who who do it well, who are a little bit out of the ordinary. So you won't get any of your, you know, off the peg stuff from us. We have people who really know what they're talking about and sometimes come at topics from quite an esoteric angle. So it's surprising, right? And I think that that there's something really novel and inspiring about that. And then the ways you're going to connect. Sophie, my co-founder and I are both massive foodies. So we really like to think about how people connect over food and drink and those kind of campfire or long table experiences. You know, we're really sort of built for that in our in our DNA. And so we encourage people to weave that into their program as well. Oh, love that. Well, if you're going to get some food in there, it's good stuff. I think that gets everybody sort of, you know, licking their lips thinking, yeah, yeah, the off-site sounds good. I mean, but it is is those little bits of motivation that, you know, it hasn't got to just be another thing I have to do. It has to be something people want to do that they're feeling motivated to do and get them into that sort of creative innovative space where they're actually going to start thinking out the box and solving real challenges in the business. So I think it's so important that, you know, we're, we're talking on this podcast to talk about building better. And this is about doing things a little bit differently, shaking things up, which is why WorkTrip exists. But I'd love to hear from you, from the, the target audience being that was you, because you were that leader of that thriving business that was trying to bring people together from different parts of the world, as we talked about. You know, what are those big challenges that the business leaders are facing? What is your advice to overcome those big challenges? So I think different businesses have different challenges. I think in in my experience and talking to a lot of customers who who come and chat to us as well, there's often a sort of flatlining of engagement, which I think a lot of businesses are seeing. And it may be at a time actually where the trajectory of the business is really exciting. And, and I think sometimes the leaders can't be like, well, why, why is not everyone else as, as excited as, as we are? And, you know, I think you see a lot of this come through in the various media reports that we all see around the, you know, level of loneliness going up, right? Levels of productivity dropping because of those. And when our work becomes exclusively task focused, which it does when we're thinking about this sort of hyper efficiency mode, we often lose sight of why we're doing things in the first place. Like our role could look the same then whether we're working at any company, but you're not working at any company. You're working at that company. And you sort of need to remember why you chose that company. You know, why are you working there beyond your day-to-day tasks, which may be the same as another place? There's probably going to be a reason. And it's either going to be a community culture type reason, or it's going to be a real purpose driven reason now obviously there are other reasons salary title but the companies that we're generally working with those are hygiene factors right they've got those covered the reason why they 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 have the great people they do is because they have a strong purpose either a really good product that they care about and customers they care about helping or they've got a really strong culture and community aspect of it And the longer that we work in a fractured way, and I work remotely, I adore it. This is not, you know, hitting on any of that at all. I think the opportunities are incredible for remote working. But the longer we do that consistently without intentionally getting together, 
the harder it is for us sometimes to tap into some of those longer term views or maybe like the deeper intrinsic motivations that that drew, drew us there in the first place. And so that's how we see, you know, punctuating the year with these high impact offsites where we can remind ourselves about that as a really good way in terms of, you know, you're talking about building better. If you build that into the fabric of the way you work, you have these regular touch points that are just in your calendar that everyone knows exists for your team. And it can really be at that team level where you're taking a step back, digging into your purpose and your values, but also thinking strategically about how are we going to spend our time over the next quarter for the highest impact. And that space and time to think and explore those questions together is really then what what binds us. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that is coming together with that shared purpose that you talked about and having that alignment is so, so critical. And, And I think probably you're the best person to ask this question to, that there are some common myths about going on a an offsite and you know about whether that is good or bad so I'd love to know yeah. what big common myth would you like to dispel today about offsites so the nature of offsites is definitely changing and this is not a, a change that we are driving it's a change that we support but it's it's already been happening I think gone are the days when offsites used to be these big um <laughs> They're basically like willy-waving competitions, right? <laughs> about, sorry, not to put too fine a point on it. But it's like, let's get the whole company together. We'll all sit there and listen to the CEO whittering on about something that we quite frankly don't, we could have done asynchronously. And then we'll all get drunk together and call that bonding. Like, we've all experienced those. It's not that they weren't fun. I mean, I've had loads of fun at those things. But do they actually deliver back in terms of impact and a momentum for your business arguably not right and I think it it works at a level for employee appreciation but the the tenor of that has changed a little bit now as well right I think post-pandemic there's a different appreciation for what that might look like, right? And it may not be, hi, we're going to recognise you by having just a great big party and shipping you all off to Greece, you know? It may look like that, but but it may not. And so what we, the trend that we have seen, which very much kind of supports the, the, the mode that we want to run in, is these smaller team gatherings. So rather than it being hundreds of people, which yes, you may do once a year, we're looking at, you know, gatherings of maybe up to 30 people, it may be even smaller, there may be 10 people, if you're talking about a leadership team, for example, and doing that, you know, maybe once a quarter to tie into your board meetings, right, if you're a leadership team, or once every six months, if you're pulling together an international functional team, that really needs to sort of focus and and you can kind of punctuate these through the seasons which is something that I personally love to do you know there are different seasons in nature and we can kind of mirror those in in what we decide to do in our offsites, which is a really cool way of structuring it or it may be much more to do with your financial year and how that runs right and you might have different seasons there for doing different things and focusing on different aspects so I think it's about smaller more intentional gatherings so we can actually build those connections in and making those offsites 
work for you as a business whilst also having all the good feels of getting to know each other and, and bonding and having a sense of belonging? Brilliant. I think I'm interested to question you about that sense of bonding with the team. I mean, what does good bonding look like? And let's avoid the communal showers and the willy waving and go back to... (laughs) There's a running theme with my feedback here, isn't there? So what does good bonding look like? Do you know, some of the most impactful conversations happen in unstructured time. So structured time is great because it gives people reassurance it gives a flow towards to to the day and you make sure that you're getting towards your your goals and that's really important but it's in those unstructured moments where we tend to really bond and it can look like so many different things for different people right it may be the people who you're sitting next to in your long table dinner right and you have a conversation that you wouldn't have had otherwise it may be that you've gone for a walk in a break between sessions and someone's come with you and just said you know that really made me think of this and why we do things this way or maybe it's something a bit more personal than that it may or may not be it could be business focused it can be personal focused but I think the the kind of bonding that you see when you spend an intense period of time together over over say a couple of days is you begin to understand the way that other people in your team communicate. And that's really important because when we then go off and work remotely, it is so easy to misconstrue communication. Yeah. It, it, it's We've all done it. And you read tone into things because you don't know what's going on. Whereas yeah. if you've spent a little bit more time with somebody, you start to see how maybe they're, abrupt tone is not mirrored in their body language for example right or it's just it's kind of just the way they are and it's like oh okay we start to break down those barriers of miscommunication a little bit and so we can spend more time focus on focusing on fixing the problems or coming up with the creative solution or whatever it is rather than worrying about where we stand with each other yeah yeah that's such a big one and getting that friction out of the way of that miscommunication that you just brilliantly articulated is is absolutely critical to developing that high-performing team and getting your people where you want them to be and feeling they're really invigorated and excited about showing up doing the work collaborating it's so so important it's so so, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's a, it's a big part. You know, we we work with a research and evaluation specialist because we really we care about the impact that offsites have. You know, it's not just about organising it well and looking great. Lo- logistics is fine, but we're much more about the impact side of things. And so we really look at measuring three areas. One is intrinsic motivation. The other one is psychological safety. And the last one is perceived team performance, because those are the three elements that you need to have high to have a high performing team. So that intrinsic motivation really feeds from why am I here? Why are we all doing this? What's the point? Right. And if you can really boost that up with this sort of shared common challenge, essentially, that goes a long way to actually increasing the performance of the entire team. Yeah, absolutely. Echo that. That's fantastic. And I'd love to know, just in terms of one of a few of the most interesting insights you've learned that's worth sharing about building better. I'm a big fan of thinking about development in terms of cycles. 
I think we there's tended to be in business and we know this has sort of gone back decades a sort of very linear view of progress and there are people having great conversations about how that is not the case you know like Helen and Sarah for squiggly careers who are absolutely amazing and sort of rewriting some of these these sort of rules I guess in inverted commas from from the past and I think in terms of building better it's always useful to come back to some of the assumptions that you've made in the past and that that you've been working on you know I thought this this was really interesting you know going you know working in a company a leadership team level that's sort of startup scale uppy and getting into that that awkward teenage years right and and you sort of think how much of what we had before do we really want to keep and how much of it served its purpose then but maybe doesn't now and that can be quite hard especially when you're in a fast-paced business because all you're doing is moving forward you're like I've got bigger goals and now I've got bigger goals and we'll just need to run really hard in order to get them but actually, if you're talking about building better, there's a cyclical point where you have to take a look back and reflect and recalibrate about, OK, well, where are we going now and what do we want to keep and what do we not want to keep consciously? And then taking that into the next phase. Yeah, that's a brilliant one. And that point of reflection is another reason why offsites are so important is yeah. to actually just like see the progress you've made, see how far you've come, what you've learned what you need to leave behind. So absolutely a great insight there. And I'd love to know what are some of the most important things that you've learned in your career and bringing you into WorkTrip? Most important thing for me was to run my own race in terms of what leadership looks like. I remember very clearly the first person, the first time someone referred to me as a leader in the business when I was at Audible. And I it really stuck with me, that conversation, because it was not the way that I viewed myself at that point in time. And so I, I went away and did a lot of thinking on it. And many, many years later, and lots of coaching later, which is always, always really helpful. For me, the being open and vulnerable does not sit in contradiction to being strong and decisive and that was quite an interesting one to sort of get my head around but I think you can you can be really empathetic and acknowledge everyone's feelings and actually have some of those feelings yourself and yet know that there's a difficult decision that needs to be taken And so that rational and that empathetic part of your brain can sit together that you don't have to pick one or the other, right, to to sort of be taken seriously. And so it took me a lot of time, I think, to get very comfortable with that. But now it's just made everything easier. (laughs) It sounds like you have a few stories to tell around that space. Is there anything you want to share as an example of where you've had to have that battle or bring those two together, should I say? Yeah, I I think it's a learning mode. I have very, I feel very big emotions, hence the crying, coming back to that crying. But I do, I've I've always felt emotions really, really strongly. And for a long time, I was like, well, that's just because you lack self-control and you can probably learn that. So learn self-control. And then I did more reading into the neuroscience side of things. And it's like, well, actually, 
if you study different brains, some of them just light up more than others, right? And some of them have greater peaks and troughs than, than others do. It's no character judgment. It's just, chem- you know, it's biology. It's the way that, that, that your brain is built. So that kind of felt like that left me off, let me off the hook a little bit. But at times, you know, when you're trying to be a leader and you're feeling those really big feelings, it can be too much for everyone around you. And it is. And there are times where I've definitely just, you know, let them run. And then afterwards been like, oh, (laughs) that had quite a big impact on other people. And that was something learning about how not to diminish them because I, I I can't I find that takes too much of my energy to do it but how to sort of communicate better I think around those feelings and that's still a work in progress <laughs> definitely but for the first time you know I remember the first time that I let people go on a team which is horrible like if you've ever had to do it so it's a really horrible thing to do there is nothing that makes that any better but the decision to do that was my decision. And so having to sit there with that rational part, look, this is this is the right decision. It's not just the right decision for the businesses. He's actually also the right decision for the people themselves eventually, even though that's a difficult one and it feels really shitty for everyone involved. And then feeling all the feelings of you know, guilt that you've let people down and worry about what this might mean for their lives. And, you know, all of that stuff happens as well. And you don't have to put it in a box. You can actually have those two things side by side and communicate both of them. And that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right that we're all work in progress, Sally. I think anyone who says, oh yeah, I figured it out. I've nailed it. I, I've totally got all my shit together. Well, it's just bollocks. I can tell you, everybody. Well, I'll go back, figuring... and go back and talk to them in a month and then we'll see yeah, where they yeah. are. <laughs> everybody is still trying to figure it out. And even when you figured one part out, there'll be something bigger and more challenging ahead of you. And yeah. I truly believe that we all, the only thing we can do is learn about ourselves more, learn how to navigate our emotions and how to control them so that we can show up as our best selves at every opportunity. And it sounds like a lot of work you did there to, to manage that. So huge congrats to you for that. And I do think that there's a point where we need to sort of reflect back and sort of see how far we've come. And there's always a little bit of like, well, if I'd known this now, of course, <laughs> that would have been better then but you can't know everything. But I suppose I'd love to know if you, if there was something you wish you'd known when you'd started out, what would that be? That when, so, and this is very personal to me, so I don't know how applicable it is to other people, but when you're faced with two options and neither of them feels quite right, don't select one. Just give it a bit more time and a bit more thought and I've often ended up then in the middle of two roads right and everyone used to laugh at me at Audible they're like oh my god give her two lanes and she's like where's the other one (laughs) (laughs) because I think I think gut instinct is is really powerful Uh, it's you know it is at the end of the day it's another data point most of the time if you're feeling something in your body that something's not quite right it's probably acting on information that you have that your brain hasn't processed yet. And sometimes that might be accurate information and sometimes it might be misconceptions and that's our job to try and figure out. But I think making a decision that doesn't feel right, because I like making decisions, I'm a very decisive person, and just sitting on it for a while and trying to work out why it doesn't feel right and then get to the point where 
either one of them does because you've unpacked what's going on or you've actually picked a, a different way is is really valuable and to sort of trust that a little bit more rather than worrying about it. That's a brilliant one. Absolutely. Trust your gut. I'm 100% a fan of that. <laughs> and I think there's like, obviously with all of us, when we're trying to figure out these big challenges that we're faced with and making these tough calls in business, we have to go somewhere for inspiration. And I'd love to know about a few books that you've read recently that maybe you recommended to others about building better. And, and just as a bonus, any takeaways you've got from those? Oh, yeah. So for me, books and audio. (laughs) Inevitably, that's basically my background. So I love those things. There's a wonderful book called Rebel Ideas by Matthew Syed. Now, Matthew Syed is just fantastic. I mean, he's great. If you listen to him, any podcast, his books are amazing. But the thing I love about Rebel Ideas is it talks about, again, it's about high-performing teams And really about how cognitive diversity breeds high-performing teams. And it's harder, but it's worth it. (laughs) So the the book is full of all these great examples of, you know, amazing organisations with fantastically educated, really, really smart and brilliant people, but who didn't have a lot of cognitive diversity in that they all kind of thought the same kind of way and massive things that they missed. And I kind of find that reassuring (laughs) that actually, do you know what? You don't have to be the best as an individual. Actually, if you're in a team that is complementary and you can work on those and recognize what those things are, you can also be amazing. And that sort of ties into obviously the work trip ethos quite a lot. And there's a book that I, there's another book that I loved, which I listened to. It's a great audio book called Oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley. And that is, oh, you're nodding away. Yes, I, really, I, I love that. It's really, really great because there's a very sort of simple blueprint for how you can expand your reach from your sort of um, consumers to your customers to your clients. And I just, I really love that. I think it's such a smart way of viewing what you do. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. And podcasts, I mean, I'm a big fan of How to Own the Room. I think Viv, Viv Groskop is awesome so I listen and re-listen to those podcasts all the time and how to fail with Elizabeth Day as well so ah so lovely ones to tune into there and what's one thing you're really excited about right now I am very excited about helping companies think about off-sites as part of their structure in a more sustainable way of working like that is really I mean Helping people with one-off off-sites is, is lovely. It's very rewarding. It's really great to see them do it and go off and, and have a great experience and tell us about the impact. But actually helping a company or a team to strategically think through how it can help their, their business to progress and develop is just, that's really exciting. Love it. That's wonderful. So I suppose the final note is just because we've gone into some tough stuff, we've gone into the the good stuff, and then we've gone into what we're excited about. Is there sort of a shout out that you could do about maybe three people who've helped you the most in the industry? Oh, yeah. So number one is an amazing guy called Andy Gaze. So Andy and I worked together at Audible for years and years and years. And when when I started, I think he was like an Amazon lawyer or something. Anyway, he swiftly went up the ranks and became chief content officer at Audible. And he is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And 
yet he talks to you like you're like just an absolute peer and equal all the time and always asks like the bigger questions and the curious questions and actually is super open to feedback he's asked me some big things before someone who is much much more senior than me in the business and you could see him really listen and adapt things and he brought me into Blinkist and he is also an investor in work trips. So he's really believed in me all the way along, but wears it very lightly, which is nice and rare. Those people are magical. So yeah, yeah, feeling all the feels for this guy. (laughs) Absolutely. No, he's, he's, he's awesome. (laughs) Love it. Love it. And just as a final one, just on this, these different connections, if you could have dinner or a work trip with two or three people outside of your family, dead or alive, So I definitely have Dame Stephanie Shirley because she's just like mega amazing. If you haven't heard of her before, look up her TED Talk. The woman is phenomenal. She basically set up a software company in the 60s and only employed women working from home. Wow. Trained them all up. I mean, she's she's an absolute (laughs) legend. The woman is just phenomenal. So I definitely have her. Dave Grohl, because, I mean, he's just amazing. So why not have Dave Grohl at, at your at your party? And who else would I have? Should I know who Dave Grohl is? I don't know who he is. Oh, my God, Dave Grohl. So lead singer of the Foo Fighters. He was oh, the right, drummer in Nirvana. I mean, yeah, he's, anything to do with music, I literally have right. no clue. Well, he's so like, I feel better because it's he's just, that's not my One <laughs> of the nicest people in rock music and is also really really dedicated to his craft and is by his own admission a bit of a pain in the ass to work with because he's just so like (laughs) a wonderful stage presence so so I think that would be really cool and who who else would I have as my third one oh I can't think it's escaping me now anyway those two would be amazing those two would be pretty solid I think I want to come join you I can be your third person there you go fantastic (laughs) there we are oh this has been brilliant what a conversation absolute thrill to have you on Sally and for all of our listeners out there today how can they connect with you what's the best way to reach you yep so you can find me on LinkedIn I spend far too much time on LinkedIn I'm afraid just Sally Page so you can look me up and find me on Worktrip Worktrip you can check out it's worktrip with two p's dot com find us there and have a poke around please do connect with me and send me any feedback or any thoughts that you have about what we're building because we love to hear from you brilliant sally it's been a joy thank you ever so much thank you remember there is no secret you can go out there you can chase your dreams with the knowledge you can do anything you set your mind to because anything is possible Stay curious and enjoy every minute of the journey and I'll see you very soon. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.